For the opening prayer for this retreat, I'd like to say a prayer to the Holy Spirit, which you'll find on page 50 of the Come to Me book, page 50, the Come Holy Spirit prayer, which will really set the tone for our reflections this weekend as we prepare for the Great Feast of Pentecost on Sunday. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, Creator, come. From your bright, heavenly throne, come take possession of our souls and make them all your own. You who are called the paraclete, best gift of God above, the living spring, the living fire, sweet unction, and true love, who are sevenfold in your grace, finger of God's right hand, his promise teaching little ones to speak and understand. O guide our minds with your blessed light, with love our hearts inflame, and with your strength which ne'er decays, confirm our mortal frame. Far from us drive our hellish foe, true peace unto us bring, and through all perils lead us safe beneath your sacred wing. Through you may we the Father know, through you the eternal Son, and you the Spirit of them both, thrice blessed three in one. All glory to the Father be, and to his risen Son, the same to you, great paraclete, while endless ages run. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Mary, Queen of Peace, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good evening and welcome again to this beautiful weekend, which is the last of the weekend retreats for the year until August. And it really couldn't come at a better time. That's how God sees it for you. It couldn't have come at a better time. Look upon this time as privileged, as being a gift. We speak of the Holy Spirit often as being the gift of God Most High. And this retreat is certainly a gift from God Most High to each one of you. Keep it in mind, because it'll make you that much more attentive to what God might be saying to you throughout these days. And he'll speak in many different ways. I think least of all through me, because God uses so many more powerful instruments, and he will this weekend. He will speak in your heart. He will speak through the scriptures. He will speak in the words of forgiveness if you go to confession this weekend. This 
retreat season has been named by the sisters from a verse from the Psalms, in you all find their home. And we will be talking a lot about that theme this weekend, what it means, what home is, where do we find our true home. Tonight, though, I'd like to kind of set the tone for the retreat by saying a few words about silence and listening and conversation with the Lord. Silence, listening, and conversation with the Lord. I gave a retreat here a year or two ago, and afterward, as I was on the front porch of the church there, saying hello and and goodbye to many of the retreatants, one of them came up to me and said, Father, you made the silence bearable. I have never had a comment like that after a retreat. You made the silence bearable. But I thought it was interesting because I like silence. The Carmelites like silence. That's why it's a silent retreat. There's a value to it. But I have to admit that sometimes we are afraid of silence. Sometimes it can make us feel agitated. We might say, I just want some peace and quiet. I just want to go to Alhambra this weekend and have some peace and quiet. But sometimes when we have it, we don't know what to do with it. It seems kind of empty. And that's not surprising because we're coming out of a culture that's very noisy, very busy. Social media, other types of media are constantly going. It's in our pocket, right? It's in your purse. And we really have developed an expectation for constant stimulation. Ping. Alert. (laughs) Something going on that I need to know about. And so if we remove our cell phone for even 48 hours, not even 48 hours, we might think we'll go into withdrawal. Did I feel a buzz? Was that a was that a buzz from, was that, whose, whose phone was that, you know? But if you can get by without, without it this weekend, you'll only, you'll only benefit. You'll thank yourself at the end. If nothing else, I dare you. How about that? I dare you. Silence isn't magic, but it, it's a crucial part of listening well. Listening is a very active thing to do. Have you ever been talking to somebody, maybe your husband, and he he seems to be hearing you, but he's not listening? Never? Okay, sometimes. Every now and then? Okay. So we can hear the words, but not really put the effort into actually taking it in. And God as scripture says, speaks with a still and silent voice. A still and silent voice. Not in noise, not in chaos, not in disturbance, but in stillness and in silence. It might take some effort for us to give our undivided attention to the Lord this weekend, 
but any effort you make, he will repay you a hundredfold. He will repay you a hundredfold. He loves when we listen. Last October, I was a chaplain on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, my first pilgrimage there. And whenever I go on pilgrimage, I have a personal rule that I never take pictures while I'm at the holy places. You know, here I am doing this. Here I am praying here. Here I am touching Calvary, right? Because it makes me feel like I'm not really there. I'm not really present. I'm thinking about how it will look to others, how it will play out. And I think there's an insight we can take from that onto the retreat experience. To make a special effort, not to think about all the things, all of the distractions that we brought with us, but to make a special effort just to be present to the Lord, just to be here. It takes effort to do that. It takes inner peace to do that. Because often we're not present and we're not listening because we don't have inner peace. Why don't we have inner peace? A number of reasons why. One of them is maybe we need to be reconciled to someone or to some situation in our lives that we can't reconcile ourselves with. Maybe we need to be forgiven. A lot of different reasons why. But I know that when I have trouble paying attention to the Lord, it's because I lack inner peace. So think about that. The silence, if nothing else, will bring out the inner noise that needs to be calmed. It will bring out that storm that sometimes brews within us that Jesus can calm and pacify. Sister Andre said earlier this evening that God brought you here on retreat. And that's true. And it's true even if you planned it from last year or last night or, frankly, don't know how you ended up here this weekend. Okay? A friend just dragged you and you didn't know where you were going. Okay? That's, that's beautiful. That's clearly the hand of God. God wants to tell you something this weekend. God wants to have a conversation with you this weekend. And sometimes we're not prepared to have the conversation that he wants to have with us. We like to be listened to. We don't always want to hear what the Lord God has to say. And on a retreat, you don't have much of a choice. So choose the Lord. There's nothing else to do here. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to tell you that. I'm going to be upfront about the product here that we're, that we're offering you. There's nothing else to do here but get close to God, okay? And that's how we want it to be. So put yourself into it. Give yourself to it. Open your ears, your heart, your eyes, and just be present here. And listen to what the Lord God has to tell you, even if he touches a raw nerve. Even if he touches something in you that you don't want to look at. We're going to look at a couple of, of conversations this evening, or at least over the next couple of days, where the Lord does just that. 
The one I'd like to look at tonight comes from this morning's gospel. If you went to Mass this morning, you know that the Lord initiated a conversation with Simon Peter that Simon Peter did not want to have. You know where that comes from. John 21. I'm going to read it. John 21, 15 to 19. This is after the resurrection, about a week later. After Jesus had revealed himself to his disciples and eaten breakfast with them, he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. He then said to Simon Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon Peter answered him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was distressed, distressed, that he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Amen, amen. I say to you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself and go where you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. What a question to ask. Do you love me? Have you ever asked that question of somebody? Maybe after years? What a question to ask. Sometimes there are conversations that aren't easy to have, and there are questions that are not easy to ask, and there are questions that are not easy to answer. Simon Peter, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, sitting before his Lord, is not prepared to talk with Jesus about their relationship. And Jesus does not mind making Peter feel uncomfortable. He's not shaming Peter. He's not even asking for apologies. He's asking for his love. Not a little interest, a little bit of your free time, an hour a week or something, but I want, I want your heart. And Peter is hurt by that. What is the topic of this conversation, really? It is, do you love Jesus as Jesus asks you to love him? That's our question, too. Do you love the Lord as the Lord really wants you to love him? Are you there yet? Are you striving to go there? I tell you, if, if you've been away from the church for, like, forever, and you've come here tonight, you've taken a very big step an important step. Have confidence in that step. Do you love Jesus 
who loves you in your weakness, in your misery, in your sinfulness. Simon Peter, as he's sitting on, on the shore, has had some very recent and embarrassing failures. They're still fresh. And he doesn't know what to say to the Lord. He feels very unsure and very awkward. And I think in the history of the world, there isn't anybody who could feel more awkward and uneasy than Simon Peter at that moment. When the Lord says, do you love me? And why would he feel that way? Why would he feel awkward and unsure of himself? Well, because a week earlier, what was Peter saying to the Lord? Though everybody else fall away, I will never fall away. I will never betray you, even if I must die with you. I will not deny you. And about an hour later, he was doing the very thing he swore he would never do. And now here he is, fidgeting in the sand before the gaze of the one whom he had denied. And the man is not shaming him. He's not saying, do you remember that? You hypocrite, you backstabber. How can you even look at me? He asks for his heart. Do you think the Lord wants more or less from you in your life? He cannot ask for more. He will not ask for less. St. John Chrysostom, an early father of the church, says, Christianity is not child's play. It's not a joke. It's not a game we play. It's life or death. And sometimes we need to paint things like that so that we know that the stakes could not be higher. Do you love me or do you not love me? Says the Lord to Simon Peter. And you might, you might know something about this gospel, which is very interesting. In English, how many words do we have for love? We have love. And how do you know what it means? By context. By context. Husbands and wives mean it one way, mother to her child, or I love the New York Jets a lot, <laughs> or I love pizza like a lot, you know, something. We don't know what it means except by context. But in Greek, you have a few words for love, and they each mean a different thing. So the Lord, two times, asks Peter, do you love me with a love that's called agape, which is like a wholehearted, sacrificial, self-giving love, like a married love. Like, do you love me with all that you are and all that you have? And Peter replies by saying, I love you like a friend. Philia is what it is. And then when the Lord asks him the third time, he says, Simon, do you love me like a friend? Not, do you love me with this perfect high love, but do you even love me like a friend?
And that's why Peter becomes deeply distressed. And I think we understand why. The Lord is challenging his love. Do we need our love to be challenged? We do need it to be challenged. It's difficult to love God in our world, in our culture. And, well, so what? Can we still do it? Yes. Should we? Yes. Will God give us the grace? Yes. Fear not. Was it any easier for Simon Peter to bounce back from his failures and to love the Lord in his own time and place? No. It was not easier. He died crucified upside down because he loved the man who had forgiven him. That's love. You know how in the gospel our Lord says that where your, where your heart is, there will your treasure be? Where your heart is, there will your, your, your treasure will be in the same place as your heart. That is, what you really want, that's your treasure. One thing in your life always has to be on top. Everything, everything falls below the one thing that's your, like, your main priority. There is one thing that occupies all of our attention, all of our love, all of our mental and emotional energy, and then whatever we have left over goes to number two or three on the list. And at a certain point, it's just math. It's just math. Where do all my thoughts go? Where do my affections go? What, do I, what am I afraid of? Where do I spend most of my time? What do I spend my money on? And all of those questions are connected to the one that the Lord asks, do you love me? How? With all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. And if not, then where is it going? It's a good question. It's a good question for all of us. Where is it going? And wherever it's going, is it worthy of your love? Your love is important. It's so important that God wants all of it. And if it's not going to him, then where? Where is it going? Is this, is this a conversation that you're willing to take with you tonight and during this weekend? This conversation and be totally honest, totally candid with the Lord. Lord, do I love you? Well, ask him to show you how much you do, where you fall short. And maybe even more importantly, reflect on how the Lord has loved you. Because as Simon Peter is on the beach there looking at the Lord, he's thinking, this is the one I betrayed, and he doesn't reject me. He doesn't turn his back on me. He just fed me breakfast with his own hands. Unbelievable. That is our God. Isn't it, isn't it incredible, this, this verse in the scripture which says, after they had eaten breakfast, who made the breakfast? Jesus did. He built a fire on the beach and he made breakfast to, to the men who had just betrayed him. Unbelievable. That's how God loves us. 
And so the Lord wants a response from us too. He wants us to look into our lives and to reflect on the love that we've received and whether we're returning it as we should. Our lives, even though they are very imperfect and sometimes are full of disappointments and traumas and really difficult things, if we ask the Lord to open our eyes, we will see that his love has been present in some way throughout it all. That's a challenge. I can think of many things in my life and in the life of people to whom I minister that at the time they happened looked like the end, looked like tragedy, looked like I can't rise from this. And then in hindsight, the hand of God was there. The hand of God was there. And every saint, every apostle, every saint has seen the same thing. They have seen the love of God shot through their lives like lightning. Even though everything, humanly speaking, looked like it was the end. How did things look when our Lord was on the cross on Calvary dying? It looks like that's the end of this movement. That's the end of this Christianity. This is it. It's over and done with. And yet, it was just the beginning. If you feel that way about your life right now, that's a, a, a very dark thought, but if you do, think again. Have this conversation with the man on the cross who is now the man on the beach serving you breakfast and asking, where's your heart and why? Do you love me? And can you see how much I love you? Look closely into his eyes. Look at his hands. And on this property, look at his heart. It's everywhere here, isn't it? It's everywhere. And see what it tells you. Listen to that. Be silent and be present to that. This gospel concludes also with one very interesting point. Jesus tells Simon Peter, when you were young, you used to do what you wanted to do. You went where you wanted to go. You were a good judge of good times. You thought you knew what the best things that this world had to offer were. Someday, you're going to go somewhere else where you're not expecting. You know what? Between this moment when Simon Peter is totally confused and the moment where he died on the cross upside down for Christ, a huge transformation took place in his life. From Peter the failure, Peter the betrayer, Peter the scoundrel, Peter who on the night our Lord was betrayed, 
said publicly, I have no idea who this man is, and if I do, I'll be damned. That Peter is going to change a lot over the course of the next 30 years. Think of that in your own life. What are you doing now, or what did you used to do? And do you see it as that much of an obstacle to God's love? Peter couldn't see what was happening. He couldn't see what was coming next. Far as he was concerned, he was kind of a flop. And the Lord said, no, you just, you just come and follow me. Give me your heart, and I'll do the rest. I'll make you into St. Peter. And so he did. What a conversation. And this is the conversation that the Lord opens up with us tonight. Listen to what the Lord is telling you. Listen to what he wants to tell you this weekend. Even if, again, he touches a raw nerve. Lord, don't ask me that. I can't go there. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to look into that area of my life that is so dark and so hopeless. The Lord says, come with, come on, come on, come with me. Let's both go and take a look together. I come to bring you hope. I come to bring you life. Go with the Lord this weekend. Listen, listen, and be loved. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.